Good afternoon. The time is 2 o'clock. Welcome to Vox Pop on this Food Friday, February 16th. I'm Ray Graff. Today we welcome Julie Gale. Julie is a cooking educator who has just published a memoir entitled The View from My Kitchen Window, which contains 110 recipes from the 60s to the present day. It's filled with stories that focus on the delicious food of her life and the characters who cook them. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 800-348-2551, 1-800-348-2551, or email us if you wish, voxpop at wamc.org. But again, the number is 800-348-2551. Julie Gale, The View from My Kitchen Window, and your calls coming up after the news. Hello again. Welcome back to Vox Pop, WAMC's live afternoon call-in talk show. I'm Ray Graff. Today we welcome Julie Gale. Julie opened the kitchen table cook at the kitchen table cooking school, I should say, in Hillsdale, New York in 2001. She taught cooking at the Different Drummer as a guest at Williams College, at Hawthorne Valley Waldorf School, and at the Chef Shop in Great Barrington. She was the re- retreat chef at the Juan Dharma Center in Hudson. Julie has just published The View from My Kitchen Window, which is delightful. It contains 110 recipes representing the food of the times from the 60s to the present day. It's a memoir of Julie's life through the stories and recipes of the family and friends who raised her. Many of these recipes are family heirlooms that, uh, well, they started out as scraps of paper. And we'll talk about that in a moment. The number here is 800-348-2551. 800-348-2551. You can email us at voxpop at wamc.org. Julie Gale, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. What an entertaining and sort of a peaceful book. Peaceful? (laughs) It has has sort of a zen to it, I think. Hmm. What about food uh, gives you inner peace? Um, I think that for my family, the food was the focus that helped us all come together. Uh, Dinner at the kitchen table every night, uh, not necessarily at 6 o'clock. My father was an OBGYN, so whatever time he finished delivering that baby was when we had dinner. But um, it was where we... Got to show off our cooking skills, got to taste food from around the world, some of our heritage as well. And, yeah, um, I think I've tried to pass that along to my students, to my kids. The book is very interestingly laid out. It's Really, the chapters are places. And so I, I thought this was really cool how you're marrying food to time to space all <laughs> together in a really interesting way. Let's take it back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, you had this pile of recipes. Yes. And how did you collate those and right. figure them all out? And then was that the genesis of this book? So um, my mom moved out of her Manhattan apartment up to assisted living near us um, in Connecticut. And along with all her extra clothes and furniture and stuff, she handed me a big box full of recipes. Little scraps of paper written by my grandmother, my aunt, my father, my uncle, everyone in our family cooked, and all these little handwritten recipes were starting to yellow and fray. 
And I was like, I've got to put these together for my kids so they have the recipe on how to make this stuffed cabbage and how to make the borscht. And so I started putting them in piles. And then I was thinking about the story of the stuffed cabbage and the woman who made it, my grandmother, and the story of the borscht. And it occurred to me what I needed to do was to put them in some kind of chronological order. And so then I realized that that was sort of how my life worked, that I got a certain number of recipes when I was a little kid in Long Island and then more when I was married, living in Westchester, and then, yeah. yeah. So food was always special to you even when you were little? It's a gene. It's definitely it really a gene. Is. It's definitely a gene. Um, my dad was a great cook. My mom loved to cook. Uh, our four kids loved to cook. I think, you know, you grow up, if you're lucky, with parents who love to cook, and that's how you learn to cook. Or if your parents don't love to cook, you have to learn to cook. But according to your book, The yes. View from My Kitchen Window, yes. you're five years old. You're handling breakfast on your own. That's true. All right. Go, take us back to the beginning, the, the Julie Gale story. Okay. Well, that was Julie Colt. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so five years old. I'm in Wantaw, Long Island. And um, my mom slept in most mornings. My dad was out delivering babies. So morning comes and I'm on my own. Yeah. Uh, so I had to put together my cereal myself. Um, I was pretty proud of myself. I didn't realize that no one else was doing that that I knew. <laughs> um, and, yeah, uh, I realized recently that Mrs. Levy down the street used to invite me over for breakfast all the time. And now I understand why. She must have known that I had to make breakfast by myself. You know, it occurs to me that I don't remember a great deal of when I was five. <laughs> Did you have to sort of fill in the blanks with a little imagination <laughs> in some of these stories? I guess so. What is that called? Literary license? Yeah, I would say that. Yes, yeah. a little bit. A little bit. The number to call here is 800-348-2551. The email address is voxpop at wamc.org. Julie Gale joins us today. Her new memoir, The View from My Kitchen Window, is out. I guess it's with Epigraph Publishing? It is. It's available on Barnes & Noble and Amazon websites. Uh, why Why the horror connected to baked beans? <laughs> so, um, you know, at the time, uh, canned food was pretty popular. Mm -hmm. And so I guess it was something like Heinz baked beans. I'm not sure who makes I remember them. Right? They probably still make them. Well, the smell of the baked beans really put me off them. And But my father wanted me to like everything. He wanted me to taste everything. So he would close, he would close his eyes, put a bean, one bean, on my plate. And while his eyes were closed, I would have to eat it. And he'd open his eyes and say, and I would say, ta-da! Well, that's good. Now, as an advisor, I would say his eyes were closed. You could pretend to eat the bean. And... <laughs> that's true. I had did have a trick of putting things I didn't like up my sleeve. Oh. Yes. Well, very a little good. messy. I love this, though. There's a picture of you and your dad here, and then there's the recipe for homemade baked beans. When did you... You, you got over the hump of the, of the, the bad, uh, not bad, I, I've had many a can Nauseating. of beans in my, in my time, but when you're a kid, certain things just get to you. Yes. Um, when did you make your own homemade baked beans for the first time? I would say um, it was probably when we bought our house here in Hillsdale, New York, 
we had guests for the weekend, and I needed something that could cook a long time in the oven without a lot of attention. And uh, making them myself with all the yummy ingredients, the mm. brown sugar, molasses, bacon, the smell coming through the house for those hours enticed me. And I was like, okay, this is not so bad. I think my mother made baked beans perhaps twice in my entire life. <laughs> you have to soak those things a long time, right? That's oh, the only that's real memory the I have. Trick. That's the trick. I have. You can ask my husband who's sitting right here. I have many a time made a baked bean that was still kind of hard in the center. Oh, right? al dente. Nice. Al dente. That's very good. <laughs> yes. Uh, what did you bring? What is, oh, what is so. this? This it looks it looks like some bad. kind this of sausage, but I guess it's not. Yes, it's called chocolate salami. Cho- chocolate salami. <laughs> yeah. What the? So it's um, I think it's originally an Italian recipe, but I was served it at a kibbutz in Israel, um, and it's a combination of egg whites, sugar, cocoa, wow. uh, tea biscuits, almonds, uh, golden raisins. And it's made into a log, and you refrigerate it. And then when you take it out, you roll it in confectioner's sugar and slice it. And then the slices have the little pieces of the cookies and the nuts. And it really, with the white around the edges, yeah. looks just like salami. It certainly does, and it certainly looks delicious. And as soon as the break comes, I'm going to try <laughs> that for sure. I bet that's a popular one in your household. It is. I just made it uh, a couple of weeks ago. We have a son visiting from Boulder with his wife, and they polished off a whole plate of them. How many children do you have? So we have three sons and a daughter. That's a handful. Yes. Who was yes. the best cook among them? The oldest, Adam, uh, was trained at ICE, the Institute for Culinary Education in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, was a chef in Manhattan for 10 years, and now he's a butcher in Kingston. Awesome. Now, yeah. did, did he vet any of these recipes and say, uh, Mom, you know, maybe, maybe you got Truthfully, this one wrong? I didn't ask him. Really? <laughs> no. So what's his take on the book? That's a good question. Um, I think they're all pretty proud of it. Um, he's a really great chef. Yeah. He was over for dinner last night. I'm always nervous when he comes over. Oh, still, to yes. this day. Yes. Julie Gale is our guest. The number here is 800-348-2551. Her new book is The View from My Kitchen Window. We've only just begun uh, discussing this. You're, it goes. How many years are covered by this book? Well, it's how many years I am. So, wow. <laughs> so, like 30? So, oh, thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah, no, no, no. Over 60. Over 65. Okay. The most recent recipe is, is pretty recent. Yes. So, I was um, a chef at Olana, which is Frederick Church's home yep. in Hudson. And they would have me come in and teach classes there. And they had a celebration of his life, and in decades, and for his the area the 1960s, they wanted me to make a dish. So I made um, Jello mold with wine, wine Jello. What's wine Jello? It's delicious. Really? It, yeah, I've never heard of such a thing. It's Jello. Well, wait a minute. Jello with wine and fruit added, and my kids were like, "Ma." That's Jello shots. Oh well, that those I've had. All right, let's take a break on that happy note. Julie Gale is our guest today. It's a Food Friday. Eight hundred three four eight two five five one. The view from my kitchen window is the book. We'll be back.
Vox Pop. It's Food Friday. Ray Graff with you. 800-348-2551 is the number. The email address is voxpop at wamc.org. Julie Gale is our guest. Julie's new book is The View from My Kitchen Window. And uh, now, do you still run the cooking school? Are you done? Yes, yes, no, I I do. During COVID, it was a little tricky, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, So I did a few Zoom classes, which aren't the same. No. And I did a lot of catering during um, uh, COVID because it was sort of hands-off in a way. Yeah. Well, and so it continues to this day. Yes, it's on demand. All right, let's uh, grab an email or two here, and then we will um, perhaps hit the phones, and then I want to go a little further. You... You've lived in several places, and and there's food attached to all of those places and people, and we'll get into that in a little bit. This this email from Lula, who just wanted to let us know that not only is Julie an excellent writer and chef, she's a great teacher as well. She taught both of my daughter's cooking skills they continue to use, says Lula. Moreover, Julie taught them the love of cooking, and... um, Thank you. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> love cooking. Can, can that you be taught? Lo- really? No, I'm terrible. Oh God. Really? Oh my God. I'm, so, I'm I awful. Could teach you. No, I doubt it. <laughs> M- many have tried and failed. <laughs> All right. Now you know. I don't know if you ever heard this show, but you know, sometimes people will call in with yes. cooking questions, and you're going to have to try. I mean, yeah. if you can't answer something. That's fine, right? You know, I've been teaching for 23 years. I can't answer every question, but I know what to say when I can't. All right, fair enough. This is from Amy in Glenmont. I'm not sure that this is the cooking and baking program to call into, but I'll try. I was given a lovely stoneware baking dish, which I've tried to use to bake brownies and different types of cake. The edges don't get as dried out as when I use the glass baking dish, but the center area remains a puddle for a long time after Mm. my expected done time. And when it's finally done, the middle area is sunken in. Things don't look so pretty. What should I do to adapt my recipes when using the ceramic baking dish versus the glass? What do you think about that? That is a tough question. Are you regretting your decision to come on the show yet? Just a little bit, yeah. Fair enough. Just a little bit. Um, Having never used a ceramic baking dish, I'm going to guess that it probably needs a lower temperature for a longer time. Um, and I think that might help with that messy center. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think what I always tell my students is baking is a science and cooking is an art. Yes. Um, you know, so I'm more in the cooking end than the baking end, but I do have a lot of, um, uh, recipes for that are baked in the cookbook. Well, the, the, book. the chocolate salami is pretty darn good. Let me well, tell you. Well, that's not baked. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Ken writes in and yes. he wants to talk about borscht. I sure. don't remember when. Maybe it had to do with watching Doctor Zhivago, but I started making borscht in my college years, but I've never really actually tasted it made authentically. So I don't know how it's really mm-hmm. supposed to taste. Sure. I use all of the usual ingredients, but how is it really supposed to taste? By the way, says Ken, I also have made a painting called View from a Kitchen Window. Cool. Yeah. Now, let me before you answer this question, yes. how are you going to explain to Ken what yes. it's really supposed to taste like? Because I know what it's really supposed to taste like. But he's got all the, the right ingredients. Well, maybe not. Okay, let's hear it. So I think borscht is very uh, particular to a certain location or in a certain region, I would say, as well as a certain group of people. For my family, um, my relatives came from Russia, Poland. That area likes a borscht that is a combination of sweet and sour. So my borscht recipe has 
um, ascorbic acid, which is also known as vitamin C, which you can use lemon juice, but you can buy dried ascorbic acid. Um, so you want to balance out the sour with the sweet, and that could be brown sugar or honey. I use agave now, oh, which really? is a lower glycemic uh, sweetener. Mm-hmm. And you want that balance of sweet and sour combined with a little salt. Yep. Now, I, I can't believe that the Russians of old would have put dried ascorbic acid in there. Absolutely not. <laughs> and so what would they use? Well, that would probably be lemon juice. Okay. Now, lemons must have been tough to find yeah, in, in Russia true. as that's well. That's true. Uh, that's a good question. Aha. Uh-huh. Have uh-huh. I stumped you already? Well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Give me a little time. Okay. The number to call here is 800-348-2551. Julie Gale is here from the At the Kitchen Table Cooking School in Hillsdale, New York. And uh, Julie has just written The View from My Kitchen Window, which is a it's a fun book about food and really life. It's pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you. What else did you bring? So right next to the chocolate salami are these little ragalach. I'm sure you've had ragalach in your day. Yes. But you have not had my mother's ragalach. Okay. So there are secrets, and that's part of what my cooking school is about, sharing secrets. Okay. Would, would your mother be okay with sharing the secret? She's gone. Okay. <laughs> but not forgotten. Yeah. Huh. So the secret to her ragalach are that there is no sugar in the dough. Really? No. Okay. It's all three ingredients, flour, cream cheese, butter. That's it. And then when you roll the dough out, instead of rolling it out in flour, you roll it out in confectioner sugar. Okay. And so that sugar is really just on the outside of the cookie. Yeah. So it's not overly sweet, um, and it helps them have this crisp texture. I don't think I've ever said the word properly. Say it again. Ragalach. <laughs> yeah, you need the ch. Uh, yeah, okay. And deep in the throat. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I mean, you're sitting right across from me, and frankly, I'm not sure. The number here is 800-348-2551. Let's go to the phones. Jeffrey in Hobart. Jeffrey, you're on. Yes, I, uh, I'm i afraid this may be a little hillbilly-ish, but um, my mother used to make Indian fried bread, and um, we called it dough gods up here in the Adirondacks, but um, I can't remember what she, you know, for the oil, I think it was Crisco because it seemed like my mom was a Crisco gal. Um, but could I use like regular lard, like manteca, or you know, I wouldn't want to use olive oil. I wouldn't think. Why um, did you wince just suggested. now, Julie? <laughs> Why? Well, I think you're right, saying not to use the lard. Maybe a little bit of lard along uh, with a neutral vegetable oil. Lard is very heavy, oh. and it probably would prevent your fry bread from puffing up as much as you would like it to. But I think Crisco yeah, is the way to go. I, I, you know what? And uh, her pie crust, the same thing. Yeah, it, it's. I guess I'm going to stick with Crisco. <laughs> yes, my father actually used to call me the Crisco kid. Oh, really? Yes, fat in well, the can. My, and my mother was the Crisco queen. There you go. <laughs> okay, thank. Jeffrey, thanks thank for the call. You. Appreciate it very much. Well, you, you ever make fried bread? Actually, no. You made fried spaghetti. Tell me about that story. Oh, that's a great one. 
So fried spaghetti is a grand, a recipe from my grandmother, Nana, my mother's mom. And she came over here from Poland when she was about 11 and uh, went to the Educational Alliance on the Lower East Side to learn to become an American. So she gave up everything from her ethnic background to be a real American. So everything she cooked was American products. So um, Del Monte's tomato sauce, you know, Butoni spaghetti, everything had to be American. So you take your leftover cooked spaghetti and you uh, pour Del Monte's, it has to be Del Monte's tomato sauce because that's the taste you want. We still have that. There's, you can little still cans, get yeah, those little cans of deli. It's like thirty-five that. cents yep. a can, and you cover the sp- cooked spaghetti in the Del Monte sauce, and you put it in the refrigerator. You cannot make this at the last minute. It's got to get cold and congealed and gross looking. <laughs> and then you take a frying pan with butter, and you fry that fried spaghetti low and slow for a good 20 minutes or so on one side till it's really crisp, flip it over like a pancake, crisp on the other side, lots of salt on top. Oh, my gosh. Delicious. All by yourself at midnight. Did you bring any of that? (laughs) Next time. All right, fair enough. Julie Gale is our guest. The new book is The View from My Kitchen Window, and it's available at those online vendors you've heard so much about. Number here is 800-348-2551. Or you can email us at voxpop at wamc.org. We'll go to Albany. And Joan, you're on. Hi, Ray. First of all, I listen to you every Friday after the moth hour. Get it? Oh, thank you. Uh, Yes. And um, Julie, um, congratulations that you're on this radio station. And I just ordered your cookbook. Oh, thank you. From Amazon. Thank you. Um, I have a couple of questions for you, and I did write down the fried spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's in, it's, in it's in the book. It's in the book. It's in the book. Okay, so I don't have to, you know, nope. memorize anything. Um, I am from Harrison, New York. Uh-huh, okay. Next to Larchmont. Yes. And I moved up to the Albany area for my career, but my son-in-law was sous chef at Hostelery. Oh, okay. That was a great place. Hostelery de Brisson, yes. Yeah, Chef Morel. Oh, okay. And that's where my daughter, who was in college, uh, was a waitress there because it was high tips. And that's where she met John. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So when I heard Hillsdale, I think, oh, I connect to that. But um, (laughs) I have a question for you that's kind of personal. Is how did you is your cult K A L T? Yes. Is that your maiden name or where does that come from? It is my maiden name, um, oh. which means cold in German. So there's some it does yeah huh. theory that maybe we came from a cold place or maybe we're cold people. No, I, I don't, don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Joan. Did you... anybody else share that name? Does anyone else share that name? Well, my relatives. Okay. Okay. Joan, thanks a lot for the call. 800-348-2551 is our telephone number. Julie Gale is our guest. How long did you um, spend on the island when you were a kid? So I left uh, when I went off to college and never went back. Although we did go back to visit um, a number of years ago. Our daughter went to a concert um, 
Florence and the Machine, right? Oh, great. Um, yeah, they were great. Yeah. They were great. Did you go? No, I was not allowed to enter. I read this kind of sad story about, <laughs> about your old house. Oh, yes. Oh, that was sad. It was sad. But, you know, what was nice to see was it's still a lovely neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, when Bill Levitt built those homes, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And they're not McMansions the way they are in other areas. Yep. Uh, beautifully kept, except for my parents' house. And Wait. not for because of my no, parents, no, it, but the people who bought and the, the story house. is in the book. It's brief. Yes, yes. These are really beautiful little short stories to yes. go with the recipes. Thank you. How long did it take you to write this book? Only ten years. Ten years. <laughs> so, is there going to be a sequel? Yes. Yeah. Actually, yes. It's called Twenty Years at the Kitchen Table." You're kidding me. School. So, when does that come out? Well, right now I only have uh, the recipes put down. Uh, it's going to be more of a traditional cookbook with photographs. Yeah. Uh, when you write, are you in the zone and nobody, like, if, you're, if you're, your husband comes over and says, oh, I, did you see this in the news? Do you say, get away, I'm thinking? No. That's why it took 10 years. Okay. He, he's somewhat laughing over there. All right, he's off mic. So no, be... but you know what? My dad had this thing that it takes application. Application of the toches to the chair. To write. To write. Interesting. Our number here is 800-348-2551. Julie Gale is our guest. The View from My Kitchen Window is a memoir of people and places and food from the 60s through the present day. And let's go to, uh, well, let's go to Iowa. Of course, our signal gets there. Owen, you're on. Oh, hello. Hi, Owen. Hi, Julie. <laughs> oh, you know each other, do you? All right, go ahead. Just a little. All right. Well, I'm Julie's younger brother, and I think she's leaving out something very important about having parents who loved food. What is that? And what would and that, that be? is the experience of going to ethnic restaurants and having our father march around the restaurants asking strangers about what they were eating and what it tasted like and occasionally accepting uh, tastes from them. Uh, do you have any thoughts about this, sister of mine? Uh, that is funny. Well, it wasn't funny at the time. Right. Kids get embarrassed. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. I make a practice of embarrassing my children to this day. It's true. It's part of our job. Yep. Well, yes, we were, especially in Chinatown in Manhattan, uh, we loved this restaurant called King Wa, and it was downstairs. And my father, before we, he would order, he would walk around and see what other people were having. And occasionally they'd offer him tastes, and he would be very happy to taste them, but we would slide under the booth. <laughs> um, yeah. And going to Chinatown was his favorite thing to do. My mother would make a beautiful dinner, gourmet dinner, ready when he walked in, no matter what the time was. And if he took his hand and slapped the table... We knew what that meant. What did that mean? It meant get in the car. We're driving an hour to Chinatown. Ah, nothing wrong with that. Owen, uh, are you a better cook than your sister? I do not cook anything except uh, like hard-boiled eggs. Oh, really? I, I don't cook at all. I'm the, I'm the only one in the family who didn't pick it up. And wh why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. Perhaps I, I never had the need. I don't know. Were you the spoiled youngest child? Yes. <laughs> Aha! All right. Well, uh, thank you very much. Do you have any final words for your sister before we dispatch you? 
Nice to talk to you. <laughs> talk soon. Great to have you on the show. 800-348-2551 is our number. Julie Gale is our guest. While you were talking to your brother, yes. I had some of your mother's rugelach. Ooh, well Close done. Enough, Very right? well done. She knew what she was doing. Right. And They're so good. do you. Very nice. Oh, thank you. Very thank nice you, indeed. Thank you. Uh, you know, I'm sure you haven't done forensic uh, examinations of the history of all these recipes, but based on the scraps of paper yes. and the stories, what's the oldest recipe out of the 110? Hmm. I'm going to have to take a look. Okay. Well, certainly, as we talked about, the borscht is old. Uh, I would say old in terms of in the world. In time, yeah. In the world. Yeah. I would say probably Imam Bayildi. That's a great... What is that? Okay, so it's Turkish. You know what an imam is? Yep, sure. Right? So it's um, a priest in the um, Islam world. And bayildi means fainted. So this recipe is eggplant with tomatoes and onions, pine nuts, and a lot of olive oil. So apparently there are many versions of why the imam fainted when he had this. Maybe it was so delicious he fainted. Maybe it was because there was so much expensive olive oil put <laughs> into it that he fainted. Uh, but it's a very old, old recipe. Uh, and very yummy. Maybe he had indigestion, yeah? <laughs> maybe. Our number here is 800-348-2551. The email address is voxpop at wamc.org. It's a Food Friday with Julie Gale, whose new book is The View from My Kitchen Window, 10 years in the making. And it is, uh, it's just a fun book with a lot of great recipes as well. One caught my eye, and I'll just, well, no, I'll, we'll, we'll take a break, and then I'm going to throw this one out at you because it's Sounds a little counterintuitive. We'll be back, 800-348-2551. And uh, can you broil fresh fruit? And, well, we'll find out. Fox Pop on WAMC. It's a Food Friday. Ray Graff with you, and we're joined by Julie Gale from the At the Kitchen Table Cooking School in Hillsdale, New York, whose new book is The View from My Kitchen Window, uh, published with Epigraph Publishing. And all right, so, you know, I'm going through this book. It, it, it's a, what, two or three pages per story and per recipe, something, oh, like, something that, like that, right? I haven't read this story yet. Okay. Broiled grapefruit. Yes. What the blue blazes is that? Okay, so there's definitely a story. All right. My grandmother lived in Miami Beach in a teeny little house with a little yard, and she had it filled with different fruit trees that she grew. And her grapefruit tree would put out a thousand grapefruits. And every year we'd drive down to Miami, and my father would climb up into the tree and pick all the grapefruits, and we would drive back to New York with the trunk literally hitting the street full of grapefruits. <laughs> okay. And then we had to eat them quickly before they were gone, because literally we had hundreds. Right. And so my father's gourmet recipe for Sunday mornings was broiled grapefruit. Simple, simple. Cut the grapefruit in half, uh, section out the little sections with that little tricky knife, and you put it some brown sugar on the top under the broiler till it's crispy and bubbly. Put a little rum if you're feeling fancy. Okay. And then wait until it's cool enough to put it in your mouth. 
which I never could do. Uh, it holds the heat pretty well. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Burnt tongue uh, every time. I can still feel it. So that sounds actually... It's delicious. Never heard of that before. Really? Oh, yeah. it's a 60s thing. Hey, who is Brenda and what's confetti salad? Okay. So we had three sons. Uh, we I never took my sneakers off. And then <laughs> our next door neighbor moved... New, new neighbors moved in with a one-year-old little girl. And I said, I need one of those. So luckily, I mean, I was ready for a boy or a girl, but our little daughter Elizabeth was born and we had a baby naming for her. And I hired a caterer named Brenda and she brought this confetti salad to that baby naming and it is so delicious. It's red cabbage and carrots and uh, red, let's see, grapes, sesame oil, soy sauce, mm, little lemon juice, um, and green peas. So it has all these different colors. Yeah. You know, this book, it's so interesting. All of the areas of the world that are covered in this book. <laughs> yes. did, your, did your family make, as you were growing up, and going through life, did you make that a focus, or did your folks make it a focus to try things? You got Brazilian yes. cheese rolls yes. and things like that. Yeah. I well, mean, their Bible, my parents were not religious people, but their Bible was the Time Life Foods of the World series. Ah. And so that was what my mother cooked from. And it's really still my go-to when I'm going to make something. And our daughter, when she was growing up every night, would say, where are we tonight? Um, and that's, yeah, I love to cook around. We love to travel. I love to eat foods from around the world. What's your favorite place to go and eat? Korea. Really? Yeah. And why is that? Korean food is so healthy and tasty and different, and it's having a moment now in the U.S. Yeah. Um, but it's been a long time coming. My daughters love it. But oh, yes. Yeah, they're all over that food. Well, there are several good Korean restaurants here in Albany area. Mm. Um, Peter, what about you? go with the korea theme yeah yeah okay and you guys have been over there we were there last may nice good for you by the way i was handed this by amber sickles who's our fun drive coordinator don't know if you know this but our fun drive starts on tuesday yes i heard that and what we want to do is fill that lockbox. so if you want to make the fun drive if you if you find the fun drives insufferable and we do it a little differently here it's a rather a long slog. <laughs> yes. Okay, not a lot of regular programming. A little bit. You'll get a little midday magazine. If you want that to be shorter, go fill the lockbox now. WAMC.org. The on-air drive starts at 6 a.m. on Tuesday. Um, the lockbox is open. There are premiums there. And also, if you want to volunteer for the on-air drive, there's a way to do that. So go to WAMC.org to donate or volunteer, and uh, we will see you on Tuesday morning for certain. We're joined right now by Julie Gale, whose book is The View from My Kitchen Window with Epigraph Publishing. It contains 110 recipes representing the food of the times from the 60s to the present day. Were there some recipes that just hit the cutting room floor when you were doing this? That's why I have a new cookbook coming out. Aha! <laughs> You're going to call it The Leftovers? <laughs> no, they're really good. I think, you know, the food that um, I grew up with is not necessarily the food that I taught Yeah. in my cooking school. Yeah. There has to be a certain kind of a recipe that you're going to teach. 
Um, so yeah, that's how I, I just want to mention before I let it go sure. that one of my sons, our youngest, Tobias, did um, the really beautiful illustrations. The ones that are not as beautiful are the ones that I did. <laughs> and you have family pictures in here. Yes. Uh, growing up, and you lived in several places, what's your favorite place that you lived? Hmm. And why? You know, I know it sounds a little corny, but living in Hillsdale is just, its we're 36 years here now. Really? Yeah. It's a wonderful place. It's a wonderful place. It's, you know, um, someone once said it's in the middle of nowhere, but in fact, it's really in the middle of everywhere. Uh, yes. You know, it's a short drive to so many places and such beautiful nature and culture and wonderful people. Yeah. What have you, how has your skill level improved over the last 30 years as a cook or a chef or whatever you want to call it? It's practice, right? I yeah. mean, no matter what you are, any kind of artist or scientist, whatever you do, practice. So I think, um, especially if you're going to teach, you want your skills to be really good. You yeah. know, it's pretty embarrassing if your uh, chocolate cake burns when you're teaching it. So, uh, yeah, practice. And your knife skills are good? My knife skills are really good. Not as good as my son's, good. but they're good. Good. And you, you won't need a knife in Studio A, so just, just <laughs> so you know. Let's go back to the phones. 800-348-2551. Julie Gale is our guest. The View from My Kitchen Window is the book. Paul is in Oneonta. Paul. Yes, uh, I was reminded uh, fondly of when I was a young child, five years old, and uh, mom taught us to cook, as is your guest, learned at an early age. We had nine kids, brothers and sisters, so we were five. We learned how to cook an egg and fry a hamburger. And mom said if you could do that, you could do anything. It's the whole thing of getting over the fear. But uh, she was a great cook, and uh, we all survived. And on Saturdays, we were literally on our own because she was cooking all week suppers. And on, uh, on weekends, uh, Saturdays, we were we were on our own. But because of that, all my kids did the same, and they're all a great cook. So yeah. um, I, I just uh, appreciate the fond memories. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it very much. This email came in, a couple emails on the whole uh, borscht thing uh, and the acid. This one's from Christopher. The Russians might have used apple cider vinegar. Plenty of apple trees in that area. Apples actually came from Kazakhstan. That makes a lot of sense. And then, uh, let's see, this is from Jonathan on the same topic. Northern Europe may have used liquids that were fermented to create lactic acid. For instance, sauerkraut, liquid yogurt, mm -hmm. etc. My Lithuanian mother's recipe calls for buttermilk. And that's from Jonathan. Ah, interesting. Well, my grandmother never would have used yogurt or buttermilk because that would be mixing meat and milk. Correct. And but I think the idea of apple cider vinegar makes a lot of sense. Uh, number here is 800-348-2551. I saw a counterintuitive one, too, here. I'm trying <laughs> to find it and now. I, I saw it in, in the break, and, uh, oh, gosh. It was something involving sauerkraut that looked like... Eh. Cho chocolate sauerkraut cake. Yes, that's it. All right, explain that and why yes. I would like it. Okay. So... Um, we were get we got married in my parents' backyard yep. in Long Island, and the night before we had the rehearsal dinner, and I, being me, decided to make the whole meal myself. And for your rehearsal dinner, for my rehearsal what dinner, what were you thinking? Oh, I've done worse. <laughs> um, and 
I wanted a surprise dessert. So I read a recipe for chocolate sauerkraut cake, which is, I think, Pennsylvania Dutch in origin. Oh, okay. And what happens is the sauerkraut, you... Uh, rinse it so it doesn't have that tartness, oh. but it creates a texture almost like coconut inside the cake, and you would never know that it was sauerkraut. Okay, well, very it, moist, great texture. So I, I mean, okay, if you don't know it's sauerkraut, then it might make sense. But just <laughs> yeah. putting chocolate and sauerkraut <laughs> and cake together, you know, it worked. It worked. I promise. It I worked. guess you have to read the book to find out more about yes, that stuff. For Ju- sure, Julie Gale, our guest today. The At the Kitchen Table Cooking School is in Hillsdale, New York. The number here is 800-348-2551. You ever get a student who is just not with it and you have to say, I'm sorry, you're out of Yeah, only once. Yeah? Only once in 23 years. I was teaching um, adult education at Mamaroneck High School, and um, some guy... Uh, signed his mother up for the class, and she clearly had Alzheimer's. Oh, well, it that's... Was, yeah. It was sad, but the issue was that she couldn't stop talking. She just talked at top voice through the whole class. And I was a new teacher, and it really threw me. But I had a guest uh, sh- uh, teacher with me, a friend of mine, and he is a mu- an elementary school music teacher. So no amount of noise bothers him. Yeah. <laughs> And he just went with it. But that was the only time. Every other time, I just love meeting my students. So much fun. And you did not really enjoy the whole Zoom deal during the pandemic? Well, the thing is, my expectation was that everybody would be sitting there with all their ingredients and all the things they needed to make what we were making. And instead, they sat back in their chairs and watched me. Oh, it's okay. But they're paying for it, so... No, they weren't paying for it. Oh, they weren't paying for no, it? No, it was through the library. Ah, well, then, okay, that's a problem. But <laughs> some of the some of the teachers that I've had on this show, yes. they really embraced the Zoom. Sure. Uh, and it worked out well, and it, it cut some of the inhibitions from those students who were... Yes. ...may have been a little shy if they were in a classroom setting. Yeah, but for me, it's the um, relationship of my of the student and myself and watching them cut and teaching them uh, demonstrating how they should be making something is what uh, creates the next level in the experience tell me about uh, cold cherry soup cold cherry soup okay is this a, is this a traditional thing i've yes. never heard of this oh yes yes it's eastern european okay. most probably polish i have a polish daughter-in-law uh, and the funny thing is, my second son uh, loved it. He was a little guy, maybe seven or so. And we went to the Love Apple Farm, which was in Ghent, New York. And we picked a ton of stro- of cherries. And I was trying to figure out what to do with them. And I made this cold cherry soup, and he just lapped it up. Yeah. Uh, is it sweet? It's sweet with a little tartness because you use the sour cherries, which grow around here yeah. for a very short time in the summer. And he ended up marrying a Polish woman who makes cold cherry soup. Oh, I'll be darned. <laughs> right off the boat, Polish or a second generation? No, 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 no. She came here as an au pair. I'll be darned. Yep. By the way, Kevin in Greenfield says, please tell your listeners to order from their local bookstore. That's also a way to do it, too. And, Kevin, yes. that's a very good point, and yes. thank you for that. A number here is 800-348-2551. 800 uh, Jerome says... Your voice sounds just like the actress Lorraine Bracco from The Sopranos. 
Isn't that nice? <laughs> I don't know. Is she very Long Island? <laughs> oh, Jersey, Long Island, yeah, something like that. Yeah, same difference. You know, my father um, was from Hempstead. Oh, okay. And so he spent a lot of time going to Brooklyn Dodger games and, and a lot of time in the city. And he loved cheese blintzes. And so oh. we – he would get the – listen, he, he was like me, I believe, did not do any cooking. But we would have frozen blintzes and he yes. would make them from time to time. Give me your, your cheese blintz recipe. So you make a crepe, uh, but you don't make crepes. But no, I if make you nothing. Were cooking, if you were cooking, you would make a crepe, which is just a thin pancake. Yeah. And then you make the um, stuffing, which is cottage cheese, sour cream, a little sugar, vanilla. And you fold them up, uh, fold you know some of the filling into the crepe, fold it up, and then uh, saute it in the pan till they're crisp. Really yummy. My grandmother lived in Hempstead. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we used to go there, and I would go to the coffee shop across the street from their apartment, and they had those little stools that go that you could spin around and around and around uh, at yeah. the counter. Yep, like a Woolworth in the old days. Right, yeah. and I was only allowed to spin a certain number of times until my grandmother would say, okay, that's enough. That's so funny. Yeah, I remember, I mean, one of the greatest sandwiches I ever had. They sold that house in the 70s, you know, my grandmother's house. The deli up at the corner, <laughs> just getting a real, real sandwich on a hard roll. Oh, still to this day, and it's uh-huh. 50 years ago. Yeah, you know? hamburger, cherry coke. That's what I had. Well, let's go to Kathy in Cooperstown. Kathy, you're on with Julie Gale. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I just had a, a memory about broiled grapefruit. Um, my family heritage is Welsh, and so uh, I have joined up with a group called Welsh Heritage Week, and uh, every four or five years, uh, every summer we gather at a different college or something, and every four or five years we go across the pond to um, a wonderful little language center that's halfway down the very rocky hills of the rocky coast in northern Wales. And... The the first time we went, and uh, my boys were, what, five and eight, uh, they had a great time. Uh, and my husband and and a good friend Bob would would always case things out. For instance, by the um, the cutlery that was laid on the table, if there was a a spoon growing going across the top, that meant that there would be a quote, pudding, which over there means any kind of dessert. So they, the first one to see it would say pud or no pud and so on. But one, one meal um, or one day we went for breakfast and we could see through the window there was this big tray of grapefruit halves. And we all, by that time three or four days down there with no fresh fruit. And and we all saw this grapefruit and thought, oh boy, you know, for lunch we're going to have fresh fruit. And wouldn't you know, lunch came and our pudding uh, dessert was broiled grapefruit. Uh-oh. And all of our hearts Uh-oh. sank. But was it good, Kathy? <laughs> I, I don't even really remember. I, I expect it was, but we all were so hungry for something fresh and 
broiled grapes. Mm. I can I can imagine that having it as a Sunday morning treat would be lovely. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of a sad story, Kathy. But, uh, <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, well, we, the, the food there was very good, and the, the fellowship and the language and all were wonderful. So, Well, thanks for the um, call. Just... About, okay. about ready to wrap it up here. Are there any stories in your book, and I haven't read the whole thing, that are a little sad or melancholy? Any recipes attached to that? Hmm. We only have about 30 seconds. 30 seconds. So don't thumb through it too much. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Um, I would say, well, sort of sad. The apricot brandy sour cream cake, which is really yummy if you get it right. Yeah. Um, What's sad about that? Sounds delicious. Yes. Well, if you don't get it right and it has a very doughy middle, that's pretty sad. But then also I would say, yeah, my mother's pecan pie. They had friends over who were... Muslim and they did not eat pork, and my mother used lard in her crust, oh, and she served it to them. And as she, they asked what was making it so flaky, she remembered that they couldn't have oh. pork, so she said butter, and it was a little sad. It's, it's a lie, and yes. uh, we've, we've ended on a dour <laughs> and tragic note. And Julie well, Gale, you did that to me. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done it at the end of the show. <laughs> so much fun having you here. It was a great pleasure. Thank so you for inviting me. In 10 years, you come back when the new book's out? No, no, no. This one will be done within the year. All right. So much fun. Thanks for being here. Support comes from Rolling Rock Farm Salt and Seasonings, working to spread peace, love, and happiness with handcrafted, in small batches, infused sea salts, pepper, and blends, specializing in black garlic, rollingrocksalt.com. Once again, thanks to Julie Gale for being with us today. The new memoir, it's a fun read and an informative one at that. The View from My Kitchen Window. Thanks to Zach Malloy, our engineer. Thanks to uh, Ali Peterson, who screened the calls today. Well done. And thank you for joining us. Now, remember, no show on Monday. On Tuesday, the fun drive begins. I'm sorry to ruin your weekend, but the fun drive begins on Tuesday at 6 a.m. You can make it shorter by making your pledge now at WAMC.org. Whatever happens, have a splendid weekend. We'll see you Tuesday.